All right. Um, we are going to start. Well, we're going to continue. Um, I guess we got back into Ephesians uh, before. Morning, guys. We, we're going to continue with Ephesians. Um, I've been out of town, as, as most of you know, for I missed a couple of Sundays. I was in Costa Rica. And, um, but before, before I went out of town, I, I shared about, from, from Ephesians 6, I think, starting in maybe verse 10 or so, um, about standing in the Lord and in the strength of His might and um, what, it, what, it, what it means, at least, at least how I understand uh, something of standing in Him. And then, and then Paul goes on to talk about the armor of the Lord and, and the necessity of our, the, the way that we stand in Him is to be fully clothed um, fully clothed in Christ in every way. Um, and so we, we talked about that a couple weeks ago. And I want to pick up where we left off, starting in verse 18. And then, um, let me just read the verse, uh, three verses, and then uh, make some comments about it. Um, Ephesians 6, 18. Paul says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints and for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Um, as I was preparing the notes, I didn't, I didn't get as far as I uh, was planning on um, so I'm going to have to share more about this, I think, next week. But um, I haven't talked much about prayer over the last several years. Um, maybe, maybe a couple times here and there, little pieces and parts of prayer. Um, things uh, when 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 things became clear enough in my heart to say something. Um, but and the main reason I haven't haven't said uh, a whole lot about prayer is, um, is it's not it's not that I don't believe that prayer is very real and very important. On the contrary, I think that it is. I think that I think that everything, um, every facet or function of Christ in the body is is equally important. But the reason I haven't shared very much is simply, to be quite honest, uh, is that I haven't seen very much. Um, I've seen a little more now than before, but um, I, to my, uh, I don't know if surprise is the right word, but um, prayer is not one of the first things the Lord started to um, well, that started to came, come into focus, and I'll talk about that in a little bit. But um, before I do, say anything, let me just say that what, what I'm going to say uh, this morning is by no means a very clear or complete treatment of this subject. What I'm going to say this morning is, is simply reflective of, of what I think I can see right now, and, and I, and I, and I re realize that to be very little, so I just want to throw that out there. Um, um, some of you know my history with prayer, and what I mean by that is that I was involved in a, um, a prayer ministry for a number of years. 
Well, first of all, I was involved in a church that was massively dedicated to prayer and intercession. And um, But beyond that, I was also involved in, in leading prayer and intercession groups um, uh, both in, uh, in, in a couple different contexts. But, uh, but for a while, I was actually involved in leading prayer and intercession group meetings for hours at a time, I think five or six days a week, maybe six days a week. And then, and then actually, when, it, when I moved up to Akron and ended up becoming a uh, pastor here, I, some of you, very few of you were there, but um, thank the Lord. But you'll, some of you might remember that I, I, as when I began, I started as pastor immediately having six prayer meetings a week. In fact, I started by calling the entire church to a period of 40 days of prayer and fasting, <laughs> which no one did. Except, um, I did it though. Um, even my wife bailed on me. I caught her eating a bag of chips one night, and, uh, and I said, "You broke the fast." She goes, "I broke it like a week and a half ago. I, I, I just didn't have the heart to tell you." So, um, anyway, I, I mentioned that. Uh, because I want you to understand something, and, and, and what I want you to understand is that my ignorance with respect to prayer is not because I haven't done it or I haven't tried it, uh, not because I haven't tried to give my life to it or to, or to discipline uh, myself to pray and fast. Uh, I have. I have, according to man's understanding of prayer, dedicated myself to it uh, beyond probably what is normal. Um, I, I have prayed a lot of hours according to the way that man understands prayer. And and so my ignorance is not because I've never tried to pray. My ignorance is due to the fact that I, I tried to dedicate myself to prayer uh, before the Lord, well, before I knew what prayer was. I tried to pray. I actually tried to give my life to prayer before I had seen the Lord. And um, and so even after starting to see the Lord, um, for a time I still held on to my own understanding of of, of prayer. Um, even even after even after I began to see that my understanding is a kingdom of darkness. It is the kingdom of darkness. That's what my understanding is. After I had seen that I was by nature, it's the fountain of spiritual ignorance. And uh, I still, I, I continued for a little while with my many assumptions. Um, and we kept on doing our prayer meetings here, though nobody came. Um, I mean, very few did. But that's neither here nor there. I wouldn't have gone if I knew any better. Um, I held on to what I thought I knew, is, is what I'm trying to say. And, um, and, and, and and let me just say, I'm not saying any of this this morning to make anyone feel, I mean, this sounds like a weird thing, to, <laughs> a weird qualifier, but in our church it's not that weird. Uh, I'm not trying to make people feel guilty about praying or like, you know, I don't, 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 I'm just, that's not my point at all. My point is simply to admit myself personally to begin here that I dedicated myself to my own understanding of prayer that's what I'm trying to say I dedicated myself to being a man of prayer I liked that phrase 
man of prayer. I did that without ever turning my heart, truly as a child, to turning my heart to the Lord to teach me something beyond my own ideas. And, and I, I, remember, I remember reading in biographies, uh, specifically biographies, uh, Reese Howells, Intercessor, uh, Praying Hyde, George Mueller, Men of Prayer, you know. And, uh, and, and, uh, and I always wanted someone, you know, I wanted people to think of me. I mean, I'm just being honest. I wanted, you know, hey, have you ever uh, met Henderson? Oh, yeah, he's that man of prayer. That's what I wanted. That's, it. That's exactly what I wanted. That's the idea I loved. Um, I think Brett said that a few times, actually. Uh, remember that? I forgot your first name. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> Praying Henderson. <laughs> That's what they called me. Well, uh, eventually the cross began to demand my understanding of prayer. Everyone understand what I mean by, when I say that? Uh, the cross demands your understanding of everything. If we keep looking to Christ and Him crucified, if we keep turning our hearts to Him in that way, to know the reality of the cross, then the cross demands everything that was formerly your understanding. Uh, everything, everything, of, everything that was formerly there, the cross demands it. It demands it because the cross is the truth. So it demands your understanding, it demands your heart, your nature. It sooner or later, the cross comes calling for everything that you are. I mean, the fact of the matter is the cross finished it before it was before you ever accepted it but the way that it works in us progressively is that the cross comes knocking on every single thing in his land that has not bowed to his judgment bowed to his view and so you can bet on it you can bet on the cross coming around if you will keep looking to him if you will look for his appearing he will come with a sword every single time and um, and that that you know he comes knocking on the door of every one of your theologies, every one of your ideas, and it knocks to see if you'll open. And if we open, he doesn't just come in for tea. Uh, if we open, then the cross takes what it demands and destroys everything that is in Christ. And, and, and it destroys every... It's like, uh, it's like the picture of that in, the, in, the, in Israel. The, the judgment of the Lord sweeping through the land. God had already given the land. It was Israel's. And yet it was full of uncircumcised flesh. And so David, a man after God's own heart, brought the judgment of the Lord to something that belonged to the Lord and, and, and cut off every uncircumcised thing from God's land. Well, that's how the cross works, you know. No one was excited. If you, were a, if you were a Philistine, you weren't excited when David came knocking on your gate because death was about to happen. Well, that's how it is. So eventually, when I allowed the cross to, to begin to demand, when I was willing to accept the fact that the cross did demand my understanding of prayer, when I, when I loosened my grip, the cross quickly did a, did a, did a work in me. Uh, and, and the first thing it always does is cuts away. It exposed my weak and worthless understanding of all spiritual things, and that included prayer. 
I exposed a, a kind of relationship that I wanted to have with God. A relationship that, a relationship with God that I had grown to love. It was an imaginary relationship. Um, I'm not saying that I didn't have a relationship with God. I'm saying that I imagined the nature of that relationship with God. Everyone that is born again has a relationship of God that is called Christ, and yet, um, not knowing that relationship, not knowing that Christ, not knowing that life that He has given us, then we, there is much that we fill our land with that isn't Him. So I loved my own uh, re imaginary relationship with with God. Of course, I loved it. I created it. You know what I mean? It, it was my golden calf. I, I made it just the way I liked it, and. Um, and I created a relationship with God where prayer was an ability that I possessed to request what I wanted and, and, and ask that God protect and bless the things that were most important to me in the earth. So, so I, I had developed this relationship where, where prayer was the... I mean, if you really want to get down to the... the I mean, be real honest about it. It was, it was kind of a way that I... That, I could control God, or at least try to make Him work on my behalf. And, and the cross very quickly consumed that understanding. Um, at first I didn't see what anything about what prayer really was. At first, all I could see was the, this, this golden calf that I had created prayer to be. And I could see, I could see very little of the truth, but I could see enough to, to you know, it doesn't take a whole lot of light to expel some imagination. You know, if you think there's a gorilla in the room and it's pitch dark, you, there's no way to tell. But even a match, you know, is enough to tell that there's not a gorilla in the room. And that's kind of how it was with, with prayer for me. I could see very little of what prayer was, but I saw enough to expose some lies. And, and um, for me, all my Christian life, prayer, prayer basically served two functions. And again, I'm not trying to project this onto you. Maybe I should. I mean, maybe maybe it, maybe it belongs on you. You can be the, you know, let the Lord deal with you on that. I'm just telling you my story. The first and, and, and obvious function that prayer had for me was was a means by which I can move the hand of God, according to my interests. And the second function of of, of prayer in my life was to give me a sense that by spending time in prayer, it gave me a sense of being a spiritual person. Whether or not God ever answered any of my prayers, I had logged the hours in prayer. I had spent time in prayer, and it made me feel good about myself. It made me feel like a man of prayer. So, and I don't want. So, I don't want to focus on. I don't want to focus on the uh, you know the silliness of my natural mind or anything this morning. I just wanted to say some of that, as always, simply to, to make us cautious of ourselves, cautious of our own ideas. You, you should be very suspicious of yourself by now. Uh, if you're not, um, there's a there's a cross knocking at your door. <laughs> so, you know, knowing knowing the Lord, it begins and it continues with a realization of what we are not. We just have to realize that. That's how it works. Knowing the Lord always always points your heart to a blood covered door where all flesh was cut off. It always points you back to that thing. You might have brought your imaginations out of that door, you know, but they, 
I mean, there's so many types and shadows. I think in types and shadows now. I just I've spent a lot of time, you know, talking about them. And but I think of, you know, I think of Israel going into going into uh, going into the land. The very first thing God makes them do is drop their flesh right at the banks of the Jordan. Boom. None of that makes any sense in here. Leave it at the banks of the Jordan. You know, I'm talking about Gilgal. Joshua calls a men's meeting. As soon as they walk in, you know, men's uh, retreat. <laughs> yeah. And uh, everyone is circumcised right there. Uh, that's a strange thing to say. Um, so, I... So I began to surrender my, my understanding of, uh, of, of prayer to the Lord, and I, and, and, and I began to take seriously verses in Scripture, like the one in Romans 8 where Paul says, we do not know how to pray as we ought. And the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Um, elsewhere he says, the, the Spirit of the Son within us cries out out of the Father. And, and, and I understood that, that prayer was real and that prayer was important to the apostles. I mean, they pray. You can read their prayers. And, and, and um, uh, so I assumed, in the beginning I assumed, that probably like many of you, I assumed that a, more, that a more true reality of prayer or a more real experience of prayer, this is what I assumed. I assumed that after having let go of my understanding of prayer, that very quickly... God would give me back his understanding of prayer. I figured it would be one of the first things that I got back. You know, I really did. I, 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 I mean, I think most of you know what I'm talking about here. Knowing the Lord, for me, has been like watching the Lord erase my entire blackboard. Um, you know, the Lord takes his eraser. This is kind of like the, the knocking on the door with the cross analogy, but this is slightly different. He takes his eraser and, and he erases everything that I ever thought, everything that I thought I knew, every every spiritual term or word that I had filled up with my own understanding. And in fact, there was none that I had not because my understanding was all that I had naturally. Um, and so he, he, he erases exactly as much as I let him. Precisely that amount. He, he, he desires to write on my blackboard. He desires to write on the table of my heart. To write his name. To write his truth. To write his life. His righteousness. He wants to write on me his name. Um, you know, Paul says that that tablet in the New Covenant is the human heart. But we all, by nature... We bring to him a blackboard that is completely cluttered, cram-packed, filled to every corner with, with natural, fallen, corrupted understanding. And so the word of the Lord comes to us and approaches your heart and looks for somewhere on the blackboard where it can find room. And everyone thinks that they have an empty, a blank slate. Everyone thinks, oh, there's plenty of room. Just start writing, Jesus. Absolutely not. The, 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 the eraser looks for a place where you'll permit him to, to erase what you've known and replace it with something that he is. And only when you begin to allow him to erase your understanding, your earthbound perspective, your, your carnal mind, your, your view of every spiritual word and every spiritual reality that you have given your understanding to, and you have, please don't sit there and think, please, I mean... 
not to not to sound offensive on a personal level, but to to sound offensive, I guess, on a spiritual level. You've never had one true thought about God that came from yourself. Not one. I don't care what it is. I don't care if you're quoting a Bible verse. You're filling up that Bible verse with your understanding. And until that Bible verse, until that, that sentence or that word has his understanding, his light, then it is your imagination. So, the word of the Lord comes to you. And just like Jesus says to the, to, to the Jews who believed in him, John uh, 8.31, Jesus says to the Jews that believe in him, I know that my word has no room in your heart. It's a scary prospect. Well, he erases things. He, 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 he shows you when, when you understand that... that, that that the things that you have filled those words up with, the meaning that you've given to those concepts, those verses, they're dead. He buries them, he erases them, and he starts to write his own understanding. And his understanding isn't words. His understanding is life. His understanding is spirit and life. His understanding of every spiritual word and concept is an experience of himself. And that, that begins, you know... That begins to fill, fill up your soul. His view of love and glory and faith and prayer. And, and, and I guess what I'm trying to get at here is when I finally allowed the Lord to get out the eraser and go to work on my unrenewed mind, to go to work on my cluttered carnal blackboard, I assumed that one of the very first things that I would get back in a true understanding was prayer. Because prayer to me had always seemed to be so basic. It seemed to be so simple and foundational, you know. Anybody can pray, I thought. And that, that's what I... I had always thought that even a newborn baby Christian could, could pray just as good as anyone. Probably better than someone because they're more zealous, you know. What, what is prayer to the natural mind? You know, it, it, to me, it was just chatting with God, you know. It's not... It's just talking to the Lord. I, I mean, the, the very first thing that I learned as a Christian, whether, whether someone taught it to me or I just watched people, I don't know, was that if I, if I wanted something from God, I should ask Him, and that's called prayer. It's, that was, you know, if I was happy about something, I could thank God, and that's called praise. If I was decent at an instrument or had a, had a, had a pretty good voice, I could sing a song, and that was called worship, right. And, and, these, are, to me, were just simple facts of Christianity. And because I had such a simplistic and natural view of prayer, for some reason I suppose that when the Lord started to hand back, to, when the Lord had, had room to erase my blackboard and started writing His understanding back, I thought one of the very first words that He would fill up with His understanding is prayer. I, I thought it was going to be one of the very first things I understood in the light. Um... And I guess, I guess, I mean, when it comes down to it, I, I probably suppose that my natural understanding of prayer needed a few adjustments, you know, a tweak here and there, and then it would be handed back to me according to his understanding. But that didn't turn out to be the case. And it, 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 just to my embarrassment, I mean, I'll say it, I was surprised by that. Um, many other things started to come into view long before prayer had its first appearance in the light. And that was strange to me. There were many other things that um, 
that apparently were far more foundational to the Lord than prayer. There were um, words that apparently I needed to have him fill up with his understanding. Fill up that I needed to comprehend in a light before I could ever comprehend prayer. And see, all this makes so much sense to me now. It's, it's, almost ob it's so obvious, of course, of course. But at the time, it was quite confusing. It was confusing because I thought, as, as we always do, that I, that I understood something. But long before I caught my first glimpse of New Covenant prayer, or whatever you want to call it, prayer in His name, long before I could understand the, the, the union of mind and purpose and will that is involved in prayer, the Lord had much to show me about things like death and burial and resurrection and judgment and purpose and faith and the renewing of the mind and the body of Christ and His view of the church. I mean, little by little I started to understand that prayer was nothing if it was not rooted in and flowing from God's foundational understanding. His, his, his view of, of what He has finished in the cross. In fact, without a personal experience of that death, that the cross is, without a living understanding of this resurrection. I mean, that actually is working in my soul. Prayer was always going to be just an exercise of my own mind, my own will, my own purposes, myself. You understand what I mean? I began to understand that prayer, like every other spiritual thing, is, is, has Christ himself as its foundation, and as its fountain. Prayer could not be separated from Christ any more than life could be separated from Christ. And we, we've, you know, we who've been here a little while and, and the Lord's been dealing with our hearts, we, we, we know, hopefully, that, for instance, life. Life's not something Christ gives to you. Life is Christ being given to you. You can't separate life from Christ. Christ is life. Well, it's the same thing with, you know, Righteousness. Righteousness is not some form of natural behavior. Righteousness is the perfection of Christ abiding in and operating in your soul. You know, good works, same thing. Good works, that's not something you do for Christ. That's something that, you know, good works it must be the increase of the only good seed. Good works are the fruit of His Spirit, not a religious disguise that we wear. And, and, we, and we've, seen, we've seen those things, but see, prayer is exactly the same. You can't separate prayer from the mind of Christ himself, the person of Christ, the purpose of Christ, the will of Christ. The, 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 the prayer that Paul and John and Peter came to know was not a vocalization of Adamic thinking or, or natural desire, personal interest. Prayer to these men became yet another experience of the life of Jesus Christ. Prayer was a different mind, a different will, a different purpose, functioning in their soul according to a completely different life. So, I mean, can you begin to see with me, if you haven't already, why prayer was not the first thing that, that started being written on my blackboard when the Lord began to write? You see that even though in religion we make religion makes prayer the most basic and simple functional or function of the natural mind relating to God. But in the truth, in Christ, 
prayer can't even really begin until you have experientially started to end. Because prayer comes out from Him. And that may sound strange. Let me try to say it another way. Prayer is a union and communion with the Spirit of Truth. And it's something like a breathing forth of the mind and the purpose and the heart of God that cannot be reached with a natural hand. It cannot be seen with a natural mind. God's will is not something that you hear with words and then repeat with words. I mean, that's what I thought prayer was. God's will is a life, a person, who is Christ. And you can pray in that will when you pray in that name. You can pray in that will according to that will when you pray in that life. You know, you and I can pray in our name for anything and everything that we want. But in order to pray in Jesus' name, we must have his name formed in us. To pray in Jesus' name is not just to put the phrase, in Jesus' name, on the end of our prayers. To pray in Jesus' name, put it this way, if we're going to pray in Jesus' name, we are going to need to lose our name. And that's why I believe Paul in Ephesians 6.18, our verse today, tells us that, tells the Ephesians, but us too, to pray always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. You'll notice he says in the Spirit. What, what does it mean to pray in the Spirit? Well, I think, it, I think it's the opposite of what it means to pray in the flesh. What does it mean to walk in the Spirit? Well, I think it's the opposite of what it means to walk in the flesh. These, these, these are not two different methods of prayer. These are two completely different lives. Two completely different minds. Two completely different wills and natures. These are opposite kinds, bringing desires and supplications before the Lord. You know, we, we, we've seen, we've talked about here, uh, that to walk in the Spirit is something more than simply um, an attempt to imitate spiritual things, to imitate Jesus who was spiritual. We've seen that walking in the Spirit involves being conformed to and, and, and coming into an inward alignment with the indwelling, indwelling life and Spirit of God. And that becomes real in us through the cross. That becomes an experience through, through, through the death of one man and the life of another. Walking in the Spirit requires a real and powerful termination of flesh that we used to walk in and a whole new life, a whole new understanding and mind and will that, that is formed in us, Christ formed in us. So we walk by His Spirit. Well, see, it's the same thing with prayer. Praying in the Spirit is not something you choose to do with your mind. It's not like you just kind of, okay, everyone calm down, put on a real nice Sunday outfit, concentrate, and pray in the Spirit. Go. You know, it's not, that kind of prayer doesn't come from you. That's why Paul says praying in the Spirit. It's something perfectly foreign. Look at, look at this scripture here in John 16. I thought this was interesting. If you want to turn there, John 16, 24, otherwise I'll just read it to you. Paul, Jesus says this. He's talking to the disciples and he says, Until now, you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. And then he goes on to say, In that day, you will ask in my name. I do not say that you, 
I would not say to you that I shall pray to the Father for you, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and believe that I have come forth from God. But it's interesting to me that he says, until now you have asked nothing in my name. It's like he's saying, look, you've asked for many things, you've prayed many prayers, but until now, until the day that I'm going to bring you into, you have never known what it means to ask in my name. I'm giving you a new name. Understand, this is what Jesus says in, in Revelation. He says, in Revelation chapter 3, he says, I will write on him the name of my God, the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which come, comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. This is the name of resurrected life. This is the name of I am, I am in the Father, you are me, and I am in you. A new life, a new nature, a new city, a new relationship. And here, here's the question. Do you know this name? Do we know this name? Is that the name we're learning? Is that Are our prayers... I'm not trying to tell you to never pray until you feel like you're super transformed. I'm just trying to say that we must be seeking to pray in this name. We need, must be desiring to lose one name and, and, and to find his name to be the name that we pray in. Do we, do we know what it means to pray in this name, to live in this name, to act out from this name? Paul says this in Colossians... 317, whatever you do, in word or in deed, do all things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to the Father through him. What I'm trying to suggest to you this morning is... And this might really, this is probably all, all I'm really trying to say this morning, and we'll, we'll pick it up next week here. I have a little more, but is, is that the prayer, the prayer of the new covenant is something that belongs to his name. It's something different than what we know in the flesh. It's different than simply vocalizing our own desires and needs out from our own name. And again, I'm not trying. Please don't misunderstand me, because I, I can I can imagine the the uh, the, the, um, the emails. I, I don't mean to. Uh, I'm not trying to make you stop something you might be doing, or make you afraid afraid to pray. I'm simply asking you to consider something. I'm asking you to consider what Paul is saying in Ephesians. He certainly is intending for them to pray. He tells them, pray, pray, in all all kinds of prayer. But he intends for them to pray in every way, in the Spirit. Or as Jesus says, pray in my name. Uh, let, me, let me show you this verse here in, uh, in, in Romans chapter 8. Uh, this is in the Young's literal translation. I like this translation better uh, than the New King James uh, in, in this verse here. Romans, Romans 8, 26, he says, Paul says, And in like manner also the Spirit helps in our weaknesses, for what we may pray for, as it behooves us, we have not known. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings unutterable. And he who is searching the hearts has known what is the mind of the Spirit, because according to God, he does intercede for the saints. That's kind of a little old-fashioned language, but I like some of the words in there. It's not... It's not referring to the Spirit of God teaching us a method of prayers. I mean, I used to read that verse and think, okay, God, you've got to give me the right words here. It's not the issue. 
it's not the it's not the correct words that we lack it's the correct mind it's the correct nature it's the will and the purpose of god that is foreign to us that the spirit begins to open our hearts up to open our open the eyes of our heart to see that will to see that purpose that our, our prayers become constrained by that view defined by that understanding I believe the Apostle Paul this may sound like a weird way to say it but 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 I believe the Apostle Paul became like a I think to him prayer became like a constant pressure on his soul not in a negative connotation but like a like a pressure on his soul created by the truth it just pushed on him I, I don't I don't believe that Paul needed to be reminded to pray I don't think it I don't think prayer was a spiritual discipline for Paul do you know what I mean I believe that the name of Christ grew so real in this man the name until he was constrained and controlled by that name I believe that his perspective grew and changed until it corresponded with God's perspective for the church. It's almost like prayer was not something that he offered God. It was like something that prayer was something that God offered him. Prayer was something that God was working in him. It was a participation in God's mind, God's burden, God's purpose. Prayer was the, the, the only way that Paul's heart could respond to what he was seeing. It was, it was like the pressure of the truth burst out of his soul in prayer. I really believe that's what it was like for him. Listen to some of the ways uh, that he describes, I'm just going to read a few verses here, uh, how he describes prayer. 1 Thessalonians 3.9 For what thanks can we render to God for you? For all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before God, night and day, praying exceedingly that we may see your face, face and perfect what is lacking in your faith. Night and day, praying exceedingly that we may perfect what is lacking in your faith. Philippians 1, uh, starts in verse 3, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy. Verse 5, for your fellowship is fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now just as it is right for me to think this uh, of all of you because I have you in my heart for God is my witness how greatly I long for you all with the very affection of Jesus Christ this is motivation to pray Colossians 1 9 for this reason we also since the day we heard it do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you be filled with all spirit, uh, with the, the knowledge of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Romans one nine. For God is my witness, whom I serve in my spirit in the gospel of His Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request, if by some means now at last that I may find a way in the will of God to come to you, for I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift that you might be established, that is, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and of me. Those are just some verses, but when I, when I read those verses, uh, I don't see a person, I don't see a man that is trying to find time in his day to set aside for prayer. I see a man 
Do you know what I mean? I see a man that is so under the weight of the truth that prayer is like breathing. Prayer is, is what comes out from him. Um, that's probably as far as I'll go today. Here's the point. For today, uh, prayer has to change from our name to his name. Prayer must come out from his name. And next week, I'll talk a little bit about how prayer is answered by a greater experience and realization of his name. Prayer comes out from his name, and, and it's like it's like prayer comes out from his name, and prayer gathers up. The answer to prayer is gathers up all things together into his name. Prayer is answered by your soul's experience of Christ in some way or another. Prayer has... I mean, prayer has Christ as its source and, and Christ as its, as its destination. Christ as the fountain and Christ as the, as the you know, the, the, the recipient of, of, um, of all things. Um, so, we'll get into that next week, but amen, let's just pray.